the topic? It's recording now. It's recording. Okay. Will I? Will we start speaking? Start. Welcome to episode one of the Triage Thoughts podcast with myself, Gary McGowan, and my colleague, Paddy Farrell. So for those unaware, um, the name of our business is Triage Method. We're an online coaching business, but we put a big emphasis on education as well. Um, and that's what we're here for, um, to help you guys out and to empower you through giving you some of the knowledge that we have accumulated through our own reading, our experience with coaching, and all of that good stuff. So anything to add, Paddy? No, you covered it all there, Gary. Um, so to kind of kick this off, the, the kind of format that we're going to try stick to anyway, we'll see how this kind of evolves over time. Um, but the format we're going to try to stick to is answering not more in-depth, but a little bit more in-depth than you just get an it-depends answer from us usually. Um, but we want to kind of discuss one to two, maybe even three topics per show and just kind of give you an idea of different thought processes you should be kind of engaging in when you think about a certain topic, uh, whether it's, should I change my nutrition to this? Should I train change my training to this? What are your thoughts on this kind of thing? Should I take creatine? All those kind of basic questions that you may have. We just want to get a bit of a discussion going, give you our thoughts, give it a, start a little bit of a discussion around that topic. Yes, sir. And today, what are we going to be talking about? So we had some questions in the triage militia. Um, so that is essentially our private, our private little group. Um, so that's if you sign up to our membership side, you get access to the Facebook group, and that we kind of have some thought-provoking discussions in there. And the, that's essentially where we're going to be getting these topics. So from questions from people in the militia, and one of the questions was in relation to training to failure. Um, so the question was, are you better off to? you know, hit failure in your first set and then drop off in terms of reps for your second, third, fourth set or whatever? Or would you be better off to stay a little bit further from failure, keeping a few reps in the tank and doing multiple sets instead, um, assuming that the goal is to accumulate um, more volume, I'm guessing. Um, so would you be better to get like three by 12 or or would it be more like three by 14 and then 10 and then eight? So... What are your thoughts, Patty, on that, the whole training to failure thing? Yeah, so this, is, this is kind of a common enough question because you can kind of pick a weight. Say you're saying, oh, three sets of 12. This is our given rep range. And you're saying, okay, I want to pick a weight that I can do for 12. Do you choose the weight that you can do for 12 the first set? And then see what happens the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, how many sets you're doing. Do you just go to failure Do you, or do you get very close to failure? on that first set that's essentially the question because we've all been there we're like oh dumbbell press or whatever and it's like oh i can definitely do the 50s you do them for your 12 and you're like okay that was that was tough enough and um, maybe won't be able to get the same reps for my second set so do you stick with the weight and grind out maybe 11 maybe 10 maybe even less reps than that and um, or do you lower the weight and still hit your 12 rep goal so essentially the, the question is is it volume or is it intensity that's more important? Like, are we going for a heavier weight at a given rep target um, versus everything else? Or are we just trying to get to a certain total volume? And to be honest, it depends. Like, you could 
say for example i know you like doing uh sometimes a bit of an opener and maybe a heavier rep range and then dropping yeah. down getting a bit more accumulating a bit more volume after that so if you're using a protocol like that you could argue the case that okay we're going to hit a, a heavy 12 and then we're going to drop the weight maybe 10 percent of what you were using maybe a little bit more depending on what what exercise it is and then get your required volume like that's a perfectly valid approach um but i know the girl who asked this i'm actually coaching her um and for her for most people really i would actually suggest using a weight that you can get all your reps and sets across the board as being equal so that might mean the first set is a little bit easier and the reason i suggest that is because you're better off going a little bit easier especially if the goal is hypertrophy or hypertrophy and you're better off going a little bit easier and really focusing on actually nailing your technique getting it perfect and having every single rep look the exact same having every single rep be the exact same rather than just hitting this point of failure and then every subsequent subsequent set is fatigued like beyond where you would like to be so that would be my thought process on it anyway what are yours gary um yeah i kind of agree and i think you touched on an important point there in terms of like people like just kind of the general population who maybe especially kind of towards the beginner end of the spectrum it's definitely useful to get um into the habit of of doing you know recurring sets like maybe a little bit further from failure so that you're accumulating not only a little bit more volume and and you know but also that you're not pushing completely to, f- to failure and testing the boundaries of your technique because that's another thing that can be a bit of an issue when it comes to training to failure is that especially if you're on the beginner end of the spectrum you're pushing towards you know that maximum intensity the maximum effort and your nervous system and your body is going to want to find the easiest way to move that weight and as a result you can end up kind of breaking down your technique um so that kind of leads on to like another point then is like 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 what is failure and and what how how is that defined from person to person and exercise to exercise because if you look at a beginner and what like their point of failure it's more so going to be a technical breakdown that you're looking at Um, whereas if you went to a real advanced lifter who's able to push much 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 closer to their maximum like relative intensity then that lifter is going to be like actually reaching muscular or nervous system um, fatigue or failure um, as opposed to just a technical issue and they're two different sorts of fatigue and two different kind of resulting stimuli i guess um so it really does depend on the person um but to add to that i still do think it is useful for beginners to get towards the point of failure at times like you mentioned kind mm. of towards the end of your sets like pushing towards failure because i think it is important to rec- to kind of learn the skill of pushing yourself to that point um yeah, no, at I the beginning, agree. yeah yeah at the beginning you know you're actually you're a bit like kind of bambi on ice you know you're <laughs> you're all over the place your technique's all over the place um and that's going to be the thing that's limiting you so eventually kind of building up to that point where you're able to get to muscular failure is actually kind of a good thing and as well another reason i kind of like like pushing some beginners towards failure at times is because the whole rpe and reps in reserve thing you know saying leave two reps in the tank some people are very very good um, especially advanced lifters at kind of telling where that point is and how many reps they have in the tank 
but beginners are not you know they have no idea what two reps in the tank means or, or what an eight out of ten um intensity is um so by finding where your point of failure is you're better able to then kind of learn that skill over time of recognizing you know how many reps can i get with this weight as opposed to just doing 10 because it kind of felt all right even though you probably could have done like 15 to 20 because you see that a lot um anything to add or no no i don't i'd actually 100 percent agree with that and especially i agree with beginners going more towards failure but not so much I'm going to say technical failure. It's not really the right yeah, term, absolutely. but not so much pushing towards failure so that their technique goes to shit. You know, like you said, like Bambi on well, ice. I know where the definition gets blurred as well of failure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So are we hitting like muscular failure? Like there are, there's multiple reasons you could fail during a set. So like, what are we talking about? Like, say for example, that 12 rep range, like is that the limit amount of weight you can lift for 12 reps, like your true 12 RM? Or is it just you built up a lot of metabolic byproducts that you have too much of a pump and it, it kind of hurts and you just want to stop and then you're stopping. Yeah. So like there's multiple reasons why you can fail during a set. It could, it could be a technical breakdown. You're like, you're noticing again, dumbbell bench press or something. You're noticing your, your elbow is kicking out more than you'd like your shoulders getting out of position and you have to cut the set short because of that, you know? So you have to address why you're failing and then you have to look at what adaption you're trying to elicit. And again, for most people that are going to be listening to this, like we, like if they're following us, they generally, we espouse kind of a more healthful approach. I suppose you'd call it that. Like we, we mainly coach like general population people that are looking to, you know, improve their fitness, improve their body composition, improve their health in general. So if that's you, I would be more inclined to going, okay, I want to get to the point. Well, first of all, you want to choose exercises that your muscular failure and your technical failure are at kind of the same point. You know, they're not so, you know, I don't know, you're not, your technique isn't failing way before your muscles are even feeling fatigued at all. You know, like that's not what we want to see or vice versa. Um, so that's where we want to pick exercises that get that. But again, for our general clientele or our general viewership, I'd be inclined to still suggest going for a given rep target, given rep range, even saying 10 to 12 reps, say, and I would be more inclined to say we want to hit the three sets of 12, you know, at a given weight. So I would use a weight that I can get all three sets of 12. That would be my goal anyway, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think then a, a kind of nice point to transition onto is like you kind of alluded to it there is like the difference, but like choosing exercises that are going to allow you that kind of put technical failure and, and muscular failure kind of closer together that you're not actually failing technically first. So I think when we talk about failure, you know, there's typically kind of two extreme trains of thought within the fitness industry, you know, you'll have some kind of hyper evidence-based people who will say that oh you should never train to failure and then you'll have the other kind of people who will say you need to train to failure all the time and i think again it is of course context specific not just to the person but also to the exercise so like for and example even, a squat even, or a deadlift. even to the workout as well like there might be stages in oh, a workout yeah. you want to hit failure so like being yeah. polarized either side doesn't serve anyone yeah um absolutely and so like for a squat or deadlifts for example you're not re we're not really going to encourage people to push all the way 
to the point where you're actually failing in the middle of a rep on an exercise like that because number one it's it's unsafe um it's unsafe in terms of like you could injure yourself on the way down um but also because it's a completely different stimulus to something like a leg extension so for example if you're if you're failing on a deadlift or a squat it's 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 your whole body that is being fatigued um so your whole your nervous system is coordinating so many different muscles to output their maximal force and if you're taking that all the way to failure that kind of that neuromuscular fatigue is going to carry over to the rest of your session and you're going to feel like absolute shit and people will notice that um in your workouts when you do kind of particularly heavy squats or deadlifts whereas on something like a leg extension it's not really unsafe to fail on the concentric because mm. you can just let down the weight nice and slowly again and that's okay um whereas on a squat if you fail you're falling and the bars on top of you and it's kind of as simple as that um but also in terms of like where you would like exercise order for example if you're doing squats and deadlifts or whatever at the start of your session it's probably better to kind of be a bit more conservative away from failure purely for the sake of the rest of your session too mm. because something i think we both agree with patty is that we don't really like the whole only focusing on your first and second exercise and then just kind of pissing through the rest as if they're meaningless um you know the whole accessory mindset See, as if everything else is an accessory and doesn't matter yeah i actually think that is why they call them accessory work it's purely so they can justify going to failure or going to a higher rp or whatever scale you want to use on their actual main lifts and then as a result being fatigued being overly fatigued and when they hit their accessory work or whatever you want to call it um they're like, oh, well, it doesn't actually matter if this progresses or not because I've hit my work in the deadlift or the bench press or the squat because they're the main ones that people are kind of aiming towards. And it's like, as long as I hit my numbers in those, I don't care that I just dropped off 20 kilos on my leg extension. Like, it's it's just accessory work. So I think that's a large part of why they do that as well, why they term it accessory work. So you can be, you can just justify going way beyond where you normally would or where you would even even these evidence-based practitioners where they would suggest going they can push harder now because they're like oh well i don't care about my accessory work so i I think that is why they bring that terminology in as well yeah um and and then like from a hypertrophy perspective and in terms of the audience that we're speaking to or looking to kind of improve their bodies it's not just a power it's not just a power of the niche that we're speaking to or anything or anything um the rest of your session is just as important so you know if you just because you have a squat first doesn't mean that you just put all your effort into a squat and then kind of just dilly dally through the rest of your session because like if you consider something like a leg extension if you're trying to get big quads and a leg extension trains only your quads then why would you not put the most amount of effort you have into that exercise like it makes logical sense that if something is for the body part you're trying to improve that you would put effort into it but what you'll commonly see is that people will crush themselves on their squats and then they'll get onto leg extension. They'll just kind of, you know, flick through the movement, you know, just just going through the motions, not really getting any threat where th- near failure. And if they did kind of hit the point of failure, that it wasn't really because they're just kind of bouncing around. It wasn't mm-hmm. true muscular tension. Um, I think that's an important thing to remember that your session, like everything in your workout, is there for a reason, and it should be given that attention if it's there. Um, otherwise, you're not really carrying out a true program. You're just carrying out one exercise followed by a lot of kind of lackluster efforts yeah like i'd 100 agree with that and I, I always think that as well see this is also kind of 
it speaks volumes of how people are designing their workouts. They are putting exercises in because they're like, oh, that, that'll hit muscles that I kind of want to train, but it's all about the squat. That's all I really care about. You know, so they're like, I'll throw in some hamstring curls and I'll throw in some leg extensions, but it's just, it is just accessory work. I really just don't care about it. And it's like, what adaptation do you think you're eliciting by doing these lackluster kind of just kicking the legs away, no real intent or effort on those sets? Like, what do you, what do you actually think you're achieving with that? What do you actually think the objective of that exercise is because if in all honesty you fully believe that it's just the first exercise that matters or it's your squat or your bench press or your deadlift or whatever why are you doing any other exercises like just do if you yeah because if, if that yeah if you if you have more energy to do more exercises why not use that energy on the exercise that you are progressing that's your main progress lift like why not just do more sets of it why not do more reps of it like surely that makes more sense yeah, yeah. Like I think if you're gonna just kind of just mess around through the rest of your workout, like you'd genuinely be better off just focusing on that first exercise and then using the rest of the time to recover. Because the additional recovery time is probably gonna benefit you more than just going through a half ass workout that is kind of having some sort of fatiguing effect but isn't really, you know, specific to any sort of adaptation. Um so yeah, in terms of failure, we're kind of saying that it does depend, um, but how would you sum it up? Well, I, I think of, in terms of the for, in terms of the initial question as well, like it, it comes down to why do you have certain things in your program? Like, what is the overall objective? Now, like obviously in the militia, we can kind of hash this out and discuss it. You know, why are we doing a certain thing? But just for the people listening, like when you have something in your program, you need to question why it's in your program. Are you just doing it because? or this exercise targets these muscles, or are you actually trying to get an adaptation? Like if it's just, oh, this exercise targets this muscle, then do one exercise for a specific muscle. Like there's no reason to have like say legs again, squats, leg press, hack squats, uh, leg extensions, then step ups. And you're like, what, like all of these things, like what are you trying to achieve by doing all of these and just throwing them together and hoping something sticks? So in the whole overall question, understand that everything in your workout should have a reason for being in your workout. And you should be aware of what that reason is. So then you can decide, should I be approaching failure with this set? Is this something that I should be getting up to either close to my muscular or true like neurological failure? Like say it is your squat or something. You're going, no, I want to be hitting a three rep max today. Okay, cool. We at least know that that's what we're trying to hit. Or is it later on in the workout, you're on leg extension, say, and you're like, okay, I want to be hitting some sort of like metabolic fatigue. Like I want to get a really good pump with this exercise and really fill that muscle with blood. Is that what we're trying to achieve? Because those two things are completely different in terms of how you approach that set and what you're looking to get from that set. So you have to frame it with context. And this is probably going to be something that is repeatedly repeated uh, throughout the podcast context matters you know so if you're not actually putting these things and layering context over them you're not going to understand 
when things are appropriate and when things aren't. When should you bring something in? When should you take it out? When should you get to failure? When should you avoid failure? So you have to put context into it. For example, like you did a, a post on Instagram, maybe it was today or maybe it was yesterday about, you know, life stress and stuff. Is going towards failure a good idea when you're under a lot of stress from college, work, business, life in general? Like maybe not. Maybe tax overly taxing your recuperative abilities isn't a good idea when you're under a lot of stress. You know, so not only have you got to frame it in terms of the context of what adaptations you're trying to achieve in that workout with that set, with those reps, but also you have to frame it in the context of how are you actually recovering like maybe you did legs on monday and it's thursday now and you're due legs again and you know you maybe under ate a little bit yesterday you you only slept four hours is it a good idea then to approach failure on that thursday uh, maybe not you know so you have to frame it not only in the context of the program but the overall structure of your life yep i agree um i think that's important because i think a lot of people kind of ignore that the fact or not ignore but they may be not aware that your exercise tolerance is going to vary from day to day week to week month to month depending on the context of your overall life um like like patty was saying i made a post today saying that you know my ability to to handle volume in the gym and and to really push to failure all the all of the time is completely different or much lower than it was about 12 weeks ago you know so at the start of the college semester when stress was really low when i was able to sleep a little bit more um, and overall life was just set up a bit better for training like that's a good place for me to be able to push the boundaries of my training a little bit more whereas now with you know both of us it stresses a little bit higher kind of exams are approaching things like that and um, sleep maybe isn't as good as it could be all of those things are compromising our ability to kind of handle training volume and, and intensity as well so hey, it is important don't, to frame don't, within don't the context. Me in your category i'm a fucking savage you you post you posted a picture of yourself today. I thought it was some sort of <laughs> some sort of weird advertisement. I was like, "What the hell?" Am I supposed to feel sorry for this what guy? What are you talking about? I'm an absolute savage. You not understand this, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing impressive about that photo was your hair in it. Here, do you not like them? I'm enjoying this chest there. Um, but yeah, no, I think. And, and Paddy said he only had an hour to train, so. Yeah, context matters. Like, I can only destroy myself so much in an hour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so overall, context matters. Whether you should hit failure at 12 reps on your first set and then drop the weight and hit failure again on your second set and drop the weight and hit failure again on your third set is completely dependent on what you're actually trying to achieve and what the overall goal of your program is. So I should probably give some sort of takeaway context. I'm just going to you can say whether you agree or disagree if your goal is maximal strength like you want to be a powerlifter you want to be a well, strong man not so much but say a powerlifter you just want to care, you just care about the maximal amount of weight that you can lift so for you going to failure on that first set probably a good idea you know you want to get toward get those neurological adaptations and then you can make a volume afterwards but approaching a heavier intensity with that first set may be a good idea however i would like to see you be able to handle that same intensity across three sets, five sets, whatever it is, over time. But I do find a lot of people find it's easier to progress if they have one all-out maximal set at the start of their workout or whatever, that they can give a little bit more intensity and mental kind of drive to, and then hit some lighter volume afterwards. 
So we'll put that there. Keep that in your thoughts, Gary. We can see if you agree in a second. If your goal is to gain some muscle and just generally, if you if you are pretty much anyone except for a powerlifter who just cares about maximal strength, I would probably suggest going for three sets of 12 and getting the same weight across all three sets and keeping the tempo the same, technique the same, all those other variables and just hitting a weight that has you at your limit for those three sets of 12. So you're not going to failure until maybe the last set, you know, if your goal is to build muscle, look toned, generally be healthy, keep the integrity of your joints good and healthy. That's probably where I would fall. If your goal is to maybe get a pump, you're going out for a Saturday night, Friday night, whatever it is, maybe, you know, hitting somewhere that is a little bit more volume, like, okay, you can maybe drop the weight then, do a drop set or something afterwards after you've hit concentric failure on one of those sets so you again drive more blood into the muscle. So again, context matters. What's the overall goal? What is that exercise trying to achieve? Now, Gary, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the only thing I would add is that Paddy mentioned you know, three three sets of 12 there. He wasn't suggesting that you need to do three sets of 12. Oh, yeah, okay? yeah. You know, that was the question. All references are useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was just in line with the question just in case anyone wasn't listening. Um, but one more point is that um, you mentioned tempo there and that is pro- that is a very important consideration because people have a tendency like when they're really trying to go to failure to just start rushing the reps and bouncing around the place and doing any- anything and everything to get you know right to the maximum amount of reps they can get um, when in fact your tempo should be standardized right to the last repetition and if you have if your goal was 3010 and you can't complete that tempo anymore you haven't um, done that and you're reaching concentric failure then then you haven't done that rep okay it's not it's not an excuse to start bouncing around the place because then that's a completely different conversation um so yeah i think that covers that fairly we well actually, um and if anyone has any other questions yeah, we can actually that, just move this because i don't think we right? actually have another question after this even though there's a few questions asked in the group we want to save them for another time and um, we could move on to talking about a few of the training variables you know like you we, we mentioned tempo there it's a lot more than just tempo and we've talked about this before in a video about volume and intensity and like what we should be kind of thinking about on those things but in your opinion in your expert opinion uh having coached hundreds of people and obviously training yourself what are the different exercise variables that people should be looking at again i'm looking at takeaway points from this podcast i want people to be able to to listen to this podcast and automatically go okay that podcast enhanced my training enhanced my life whatever but you can take away at least one thing from the podcast every week because we're going to probably try to do this weekly (laughs) but i want you to be able to take away something from it every week and go okay that that has helped me advance my training that has helped me you know in life whatever it is so for the people listening what are the kind of variables that we are looking at when we are, because we obviously both write programs for people, like I've written two today, you know, so what are the variables we're looking at when we're deciding whether this exercise is going to be good for this person? Should I do eight reps? Should I do 12 reps, five reps? Is this a drop set? Is this an extended set? Is this a giant set? Like what, what are we looking at when we're kind of, we're putting things into a program? Yeah. So 
I suppose the three kind of main training principles that people typically discuss are discuss are volume, intensity, and frequency. And you can kind of break down those like all a little bit further in themselves. So like volume is probably the one that gets the most discussion just because it tends to be a bit of a buzzword in relation to kind of hypertrophy research that all volume drives hypertrophy and the more volume you do the more hypertrophy you get therefore we should all do loads of volume um whereas people kind of neglect other things and don't kind of contextualize it um so volume when we talk about volume like i i don't like to get too too romantic about it in terms of multiplying this by this by this i think the the best way you can simplify it just because to actually quantify it you'd have to do a lot of physics and maths and and <laughs> people aren't oh, ready I for that, like that um, we could definitely start doing but, that yeah, like panation oh, angles man, and calculating all this stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, I just like to think of it as the number of sets per body part. Like that is the easiest way um, to think about, you know, how much kind of overall volume you're doing. Um, and then that can change based on the rep range that you're doing. Um, so in terms of volume, like I think per body part per session like you're typically looking at somewhere like for for most people listening it's probably somewhere in the range of like five or six to 12 sets per body part um in a session would be kind of the general range um that you'd be looking at and that's kind of going to depend on your training experience um the whole exercise tolerance thing that we talked about earlier you know you know have you slept well blah 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 um, but also, you know, what body parts you're actually prioritizing. So, you know, if you're a girl and your goal is to get really big glutes and that's about it, then you don't need to do 12 sets for biceps, you know, so kind of maybe sticking at the lower end of the range for body parts you're not focusing on and going towards the higher end of the range for body parts you are focusing on might be a good idea. Um, so I think, I think six to 12 is, is uh, six to 12 sets per body part is probably a good range. And I think it's always a good idea to start with the kind of, minimum minimum effective dose as such so starting with a lower end on that threshold so maybe you could start with like six sets for quads let's say you do three sets of squats and three sets of leg extension starting off and you know are you progressing on that okay are you seeing increases in muscle size is your strength increasing if it's not and you're recovering really well and you know you don't have any muscle soreness and you're constantly pumped to get in every session then add on another set did that help you progress yes no and then you can progress from there. But what people have a tendency to do is just, you know, if I say six to 12 sets, they'll say, okay, I'm doing 12 sets, you know, or if it was 12 to 15 sets, they'll be like, I'm doing 15 sets. Um, and I think that's a pretty bad approach because what you end up doing is digging a big recovery hole for yourself that you're not prepared to actually get out of. And then you end up just regressing or picking up a little kind of tendon, tendon niggle here, spending too much time at the gym that you don't need to and kind of feeling a little bit crappy overall on yourself. Or on the other hand, just maybe progressing fine, but the 12 sets that you're doing are really, really poor quality and they're actually unnecessary. Mm. Um, so they're kind of my like real general thoughts on volume because obviously we're talking to a large audience here and we can't be like you know you need this amount of sets but six to twelve i think is a yeah like fair... I, would, I would agree like the majority of people if we're talking about frequency then which is probably what you're going to go on to now in a second as well is yeah. for most people like training a muscle twice a week probably a good idea but in the context of how many sets like the majority of people don't need more than 20 sets per body part per week like it's just like it's not required like yes if you're trying to 
bring up a certain body part or you're trying to focus on that yeah maybe 20 sets or maybe it's a, a smaller muscle group you probably need less volume for that but let's say it's a smaller muscle group and you can afford to do these smaller exercises for it because you're not actually fatiguing the overall body the overall system you know you could probably get away with doing 25 sets of curls like it's, it's not going to destroy you now do you need to do that no uh, but you could probably get away with that rather than doing 25 sets of squats you know so again it is context specific like what is the overall goal and you said you kind of think of it in terms of sets I like to think of everything in terms of reps, okay? And I don't mean that from the perspective of, oh, we're hitting eight reps, we're hitting 12 reps. I just like to think of it in terms of, like, a rep brings you into the present, okay? So everything is is based off the rep. All that matters is the current rep you are doing. Obviously, the context of of that rep matters. But if that rep you are doing is of low quality, if that rep you are doing isn't stimulating where you want to stimulate if that rep you are doing isn't at a strict tempo that you would you have uh, aligned to that rep range or you have aligned to that exercise and you've assigned to it sorry um then the set overall is useless like yeah it probably stimulates something but like realistically if your reps aren't perfect nothing else matters like i genuinely would rather see someone come in and do a perfect set of eight, then do an entire workout with whatever 12 sets for a body part and all the reps were shit. You know, I would genuinely rather see that. So I think, although I 100% agree with your framework of looking at overall volume just in terms of sets, because we generally aren't going to be recommending too many people be going below five reps. That's probably a good general recommendation uh, and we also probably aren't recommending for most exercises people aren't going above we'll say 20 reps so well probably 15 really but we'll say that kind of 5 to 20 rep range like 20 sets per week in that range you're probably good to go if you're doing 20 sets of 50 yeah it's probably a different story you know so Again, I, I like to think yeah. rather just in thinking in terms of sets, which obviously we have already contextualized and gone, a set is somewhere between eight and 12 reps in our heads. That's what we're thinking when we say a set, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. This is what I like to just frame it in terms of the rep, because then that informs how many sets you should do. Like you're not going to do 10 sets of your three rep max in a workout. You're just not. You know, so I like to think of everything in terms of the rep and then structure the overall program in terms of the sets, if that makes sense. And the reason I also like to use the rep is because the rep also dictates what kind of tempo you're going to be using, which we'll touch on in a second. It also dictates what kind of rest period you're going to be using. You know, it also dictates what kind of exercises you're going to be choosing. Like not many people are going to be going for 50 reps on a squat you know like it's not going to tax your legs as much as it's going to tax your wrists and your low back you know so like you have to think of it's the rep that changes all these other variables and then the program is kind of based off more of how is the overall volume set up so you could probably almost and this isn't obviously a, a great delineation but you could almost think of intensity as being aligned to your rep range you know and volume being aligned to your sets you know and obviously that's not a 
a, a perfect analogy or a perfect comparison, but something like that kind of delineates the two in your head. So when you're thinking someone says intensity and volume are the two things that matters, you're thinking how many reps am I doing and then how many sets am I doing overall? You know, like that's what you should be thinking of because that is essentially what volume and intensity is. You know, well, volume is like reps by sets by load used. So the reps you can achieve dictates how, many, how much you can lift. Like you're not going to say, oh, eight by four set or eight reps by four sets and then choose a thousand kilos because you're not able to lift a thousand kilos for eight reps. You know, so the load is dictated by the rep. And then how many sets you should do is dictated by what rep range you're in, you know? So I like to think of everything in terms of the rep because then it can, we can start thinking about the tempo because like, the two of us are very big on exercise execution and actually getting the exercises that both fit you anatomically and that you actually enjoy obviously as well, you know? So we want to choose exercises, which is a whole other story. We want to choose exercises that fit you and we go into a lot of this in the militia as well where we're kind of like okay if you can understand anatomy and we break it down really easy well gary breaks it down he's the he's the guru um but uh breaks it down very easily so we can go okay so this is how we should be thinking of targeting this muscle these are the different variables we should be thinking of should i do an incline bench press versus a bench press you know so you have all these ideas clear in your head that's where we go in depth in the militia with but in terms of what we're talking about here, if you can then go, okay, so I've picked an exercise that suits my body. What kind of tempo should I be using for this? Because again, you're not going to say, oh, I'm going to use a, a 10 second eccentric, a zero second uh, pause in the, the Lenten position or whatever position you're in at the bottom of that eccentric, then a 10 second concentric and a 10 second pause at the top. If you're doing something like calf raises, maybe you will do that. Maybe that's the secret to me getting some calves. Who knows? But maybe, you know, but maybe that's a different stimulus than if you were to apply that tempo to squats or something or deadlifts. Like you're not like that's completely different. So the exercise you choose, the rep range you then choose dictates what kind of tempo we should be using. And tempo is one of those ones that people kind of go, oh, that's time under tension doesn't matter. Okay, cool. Time under tension doesn't matter overall in terms of hypertrophy but it does matter overall because uh, a stimulus that is five seconds or we'll say 40 seconds in total for the exercise for your set versus a stimulus that is four minutes in total are completely two different adaptations you know so the the tempo does matter you know we're not suggesting that you should only focus on tempo like that should be your your key variable that's what we're looking for with this workout we're looking for 10 second eccentrics with this uh, and eight reps you know that's not what we're saying we're saying you should have a tempo because i like tempo as well because it standardizes form if you're going okay my tempo is three one 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 and you're doing it you start off three one 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 and then all of a sudden you're going okay now it's getting a little bit heavy so now it's a two one 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 and now it's a two zero one zero and it's like okay they're completely different things for training so you have to be able to standardize your rep to rep you know so that is one of the reasons i like tempo and a lot of people kind of kind of bag on tempo because it is generally aligned with people that are going oh it's time under tension that matters and they're not even counting their overall volume or reps or sets or anything you know and then also then your reps dictate how much rest you should take in between sets 
because again that's key variable that people are like oh it doesn't really matter but it does matter like if your goal is to get as much sales swell in say you're trying to get as, as big a pump as possible like maybe a lower rep range facilitates that or sorry a lower rest period facilitates that you know because you're you're spending less time letting all that or maybe you're doing like something like occlusion training maybe maybe that's what your your overall goal is you know so you have to take into account what is the goal of that exercise? How many reps you're doing then dictates how much rest you should be taking from that. Because obviously you should be taking more rest if you're hitting a five or rem, you know? Like, so you have to take that into account. And what are your thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, like, you touched on a few kind of different concepts there in terms of, you know, is it is it cell swelling you're looking for? Is it absolute strength you're looking for? Whatever. Um, and I think one of the really empowering things is that a lot of different things work for hypertrophy um, and that's actually it's it's a kind of exciting for people in terms of setting up your program that you don't have to be married to one style of training and I think a lot of people have a tendency to do that especially recently probably in the last like five to ten years people like especially kind of in the natural bodybuilding community have really aligned themselves with a powerlifting style of training and they're very slow to kind of get away from that just because it's like oh no you know mechanical tension is what causes hypertrophy so just lift heavy weights and you'll be fine you know um and i think that's fine you know if you are that that athlete you have that athlete mindset and you want something to keep you really focused on progressing but for the average person you know people like a bit of novelty here and there um and i think you'll hear me and patty talking about a lot of different things um in terms of variables that you can control that you can change um and one of the recent th the things that kind of came that has come up a lot you know in, in research and stuff that has changed a lot of people's opinions is that in the past it was always like you know for hypertrophy you should lift between 65 to 85 percent of a one rep max and the rep range is somewhere in the range of eight to twelve but like now we kind of know that you know all rep ranges will kind of lead to hypertrophy and you can lift lighter weights and heavier weights than that and still get the benefits in terms of hypertrophy or toning or whatever way you actually think about it so this is one of the things you can change over time and both myself and patty actually do this you know we kind of switch between different rep ranges every 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 few weeks or a few months or whatever so that you know training remains exciting but also because it actually helps you to progress by ensuring that all of your different you know energy systems or components of strength or components of fitness they're all moving forward together which is ultimately kind of what you want if you're just a general population person like me or you who just want to be healthy be somewhat strong and, and have a decent body you know that's a, so don't get married to any one thing and don't ask you know what is the best approach because ultimately kind of all these things do kind of lead down a similar path as such in terms of hypertrophy which is really just yeah, like 100 percent. like there's many ways to skin a cat <clears throat> if you are married to the system where it's like this is the only way or this is the best way like i can give you populations where that is not the best way you know so you, you can't like you can't say that yes empirically you just can't say that absolutely you can't say that this is the method the absolute method like there are many methods that'll get the required or the the desired even benefit that you're looking for you know so like the way i always frame it is like you like brad schoenfeld his work with like you know you want to induce mechanical tension on the muscle so we want to overload progressively overload that muscle with tension so it has to be with tension so that's not just saying i'm going to throw more weights in the bar and hopefully that tension stays where i want it to you actually have to guide that tension 
either it's by picking exercises that work for you and you actually feel working, they target the muscles you're doing, or by actually, you know, initiating with those muscles so that they are actually doing the work, you know, so that maybe is a bit more of a mind-muscle connection, you're actually feeling it more. After that, the other two variables, pretty much in any system you choose of working out, if you... Even if you hit three rep maxes all the time, like you are getting some sort of cell swelling, some sort of metabolic byproduct buildup, you know? So the main one I always look at is how can we put tension progressively on a muscle? And there's many, many ways to do that, you know? So like, don't think that it has to be a be all and end all. Like oh, I have to be a powerlifter if I want to get bigger or stronger, like who, who picked these power lifts? Like, they, they're, they're nonsense. Like, why don't we do overhead press, you know? And the reason it's, it's picked is because these are generally the exercises that people can lift the most in, so it's kind of cool. But then it's like, if that's purely the goal we're going by, like, why don't we just do block balls from, like, just that lockout? Like, I could I could probably lift, like, 2,000 kilos like that, just, you know, like, literally just the, the minimal hip extension and, like, just barely hold on to it. So if it's just about lifting the maximum amount of weight, which is what people kind of argue for, then there's better exercises to achieve that again, you know? So, because they're certainly not arguing for a full range of motion because like I've seen some squats that are powerlifting squats and it's like, that's not the full range of motion of any of these muscles you're, you're trying to target. So what is this full range of motion? And then sometimes it's even beyond the full range of motion of that muscle, like especially with the bench press for like taller or longer limbed athletes. It's like, like what like what is the overall goal here you know so and that's not the bag on powerlifting like it is a sport in itself like no one else goes oh well they should do this differently in tennis or they should do this differently in football you know like it's a sport like sport isn't (laughs) meant to be a training system you know unless of course we're talking about like we'll say mma or something which was well not mma but fighting is originally a training system you know because you want your army to be able to fight or you want to be able to form a militia or whatever to be able to fight so like that like if we're going to go down this road and say like my sporting method is better like ultimately fighting is going to be the best because you don't go out and settle an argument go oh i'm going to meet you on the basketball court no you're like okay let's step outside and fight because fighting is the ultimate form of competition so you know what i mean like your (laughs) argument if you're going oh it's my sports rules are the best and everyone should train like this is is ultimately asinine because there are definitely more impressive sports out there. Like, especially if we're considering powerlifting, like it's true movements. Like the, the human body has the capacity for probably the most movements of any system. Maybe octopuses or octopi even have more uh, capacity for movement, but name another animal that has better movement capacity than humans. Like that's the reason we evolved. It's, that's the reason we are top of the food chain because we have a better movement capacity than any other animal like name one that has better movement capacity that can do like we can do all the things that all the other animals can do well maybe not like you know swim as effectively but we can still do it generally like this is kind of the argument for crossfit as well you know they're like well we can do all these movements we may not be as good as the specialists but we can still you know take a stab at it and that's how humans kind of you know climb to the top of the food chain is like okay well i'm not going to be the best at it like you're you're a spider obviously you can climb better than me you know but i can make a fair stab i can make a fair stab at climbing you know <laughs> so if you're going oh my system is the best and you're framing it in, in the context of the sport ah, i got bad news for you there's better sports out there you know 
Yeah, I just I just think there's there's some like some strong irony there. You know that like the way like powerlifters will will talk to let's say I know like some people will comment on some like Larry's videos or whatever. Let's say he puts up like some heavy dumbbell presses and people will be like, "Oh, that's not full ROM or or, or barbell pressing." Like, "Oh, you didn't come down to your chest." It's like, uh, but he's training for bodybuilding. His goal is to is hypertrophy, and then they'll they're they're then going doing a deadlift, which doesn't train like it does. It train your hamstrings through their full range? I don't think so. Does it train any of the muscles involved through the full range? No, and it's like. No, you, you've like what you've done there is used a term that relates to an internal bodily structure, i.e., a joint. You're talking about joints and muscles when you talk about range of movement or range of available joint position, and then you've applied it to an exercise for which it was it wasn't actually intended to be used. You know, that's just that's just that person's understanding of what that exercise should look like based on their sporting system, and then they try and extrapolate that towards how other people should move even though other people may have more or yeah, less especially on the bench press it, it kind of kills powerlifters when they see people not touching their chest so, yeah. and it's like ah, like like i can squat with my hamstrings fully covering my calves and i don't yeah. even have calves so like if i can do that like yeah like that's and i'm tall as well so we're like double <laughs> whammy here so, um, are we defining a full squat full rom squat based on what i have the capacity for because like cool if that's it then i'm gonna win but if it's going okay well it's just crease of the hips has to be you know parallel and it's like well that's not a full rom then you know like you if you can go deeper then you're not hitting full rom so why is it different if someone chooses to stop a barbell two inches above their chest because that's the full active range they have available to their pec you know so it's again it makes no sense when you, you kind of frame it like that, but I'm sure people will kind of disagree with us and go, no, no, a bench press is, you know, lockout to touch your chest. So, okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to argue it. Like, why don't we arbitrarily set it as lockout to elbows touching the floor, you know? Yeah, th- this is another thing. It's like, all right, so if you're in the other extreme and you have loads of active range and you've got really short arms and then you only come to your chest, then that's that's not full ROM either. You know, you should be coming down to the point where you're pulling the bar straight through your sternum into your lungs. By how many inches relative to your arm that we move the bar? Because again, if that's how we're going to define it, we have to. You know, so like saying this full ROM is like asinine. Like unless you're going to say it's full ROM available to that muscle or at that joint, you know, then we can go okay, cool. Like we can define it as that. But having an external measure, well it makes training easier like it actually does because it's like okay well did i did i stop at two and a half inches above my chest on that one or was it two inches you know so you have to be way more in tune with the rep and actually feeling the exercise it's much easier to just kind of go i'm just going to let this barbell descend as fast as possible and hopefully on the way up i'll catch some tension in the target muscle as i bounce it off my chest you know so it's much easier to train that way in terms of you have an external you have you have an external like yeah, validator you're like okay well, it's touched my chest it's a rep you know no, nobody cares then if your elbows are flaring all over the place you you shrugged your shoulders up even though you're on the bench you know you're all these kind of things go wrong it's like well, like th- is that as good a rep as someone who just didn't do the last inch of their range of motion that they're supposed to arbitrarily get Yeah, that's the thing that gets me is that people treat it as if if you don't touch your chest, 
it's, it's hard. easier and you're doing it for your ego and it's like it's literally the opposite i could lift way more weight if i come down and just use my oh, tendons and, and like, <laughs> some joint momentum to great. flick like, me back up like that's much easier kilos, like yeah <laughs> easy same with squats like if you come down and completely just bounce off your calves and let your back round and just go for a big old bounce like are you actually yeah, achieving what easier. you want to achieve um but again you know is it is the yeah exactly well, we covered everything i think so do you think we covered everything you wanted to cover there we're at we're at, we're at 51 minutes yeah i'm i'm thinking ideally yeah, like we keep that? these that to somewhere around an hour to an hour and a half because you know, I just don't have enough time to look at your face, Gary, and it, it's it's quite disgusting, really. Yeah. I don't worry about that. Like exams are easy. Yeah, I'm supposed to be studying for an exam, so you're really. This is actually another thing. I was actually having this discussion. We might as well have it here as well. Having this discussion with someone else in college, and they're like, "Oh, it's so hard. You know, you to do all this study. It's really not like like I don't know about how your course is set up, but the majority of my modules." Like no. it's a forty percent to pass, you know, and the majority of my modules have continuous, yeah, but have continuous assessment throughout the year yeah. that accounts for forty percent. So before ever going into the exam, you could have forty percent. You could have already passed without ever going into an exam, and most of them are MCQ based. So it's like, and most of them are no negative marking as well. So it's like, like college is easy. Like it is literally easy. Like you just have to attend the lectures and this is where everyone falls down. Like it's like, oh, I'm finding it really hard. It's like, oh, are you going to the lectures? No, no, no. Well, how do you expect to learn then? You know, and they're like, are you, are you like studying the notes then? No. <laughs> well, how do you expect to learn? Yeah, it's like, okay, cool. So you're... Oh, good, good idea, mate. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing, people... But that's what people do. They just sit back and chill out and fucking play FIFA for the first 12 weeks and then wonder why college is so hard for the last three weeks, you know? <laughs> and then you have people kind of just crying out, being yeah, like, oh, I'm so stressed. Like, like, work like, day in, day yeah, out. Like, I like, just think like, like, like an hour a day of study is not that hard to get in, no matter how busy your schedule is. Like, two of us have pretty busy schedules, and I know you put that hour in. <laughs> and, and I'm always getting an hour of study, like, daily. So if two of us can find time for it and we're running a business and going to college, like if you're saying, oh, I just, you know, come home and I'm too lazy to take out a book after I come home, don't come home for an extra hour, like stay in college and study for an hour. It's not that hard. Um, so if you're putting in the work day in, day out, and you're finding it hard, cool. Kudos to you. I respect that you're actually putting in the work, you know. Yeah, like it's cool. Like, okay, you're at least trying to get better daily. You're yeah, trying to study for it. You're just struggling with understanding this topic at least something there you can do something about that you know you can go to help you can talk to people and go okay well i don't understand this can you explain it to me you can actually you know get better then but if you're going oh i need help it's like well what have you done i've done nothing like you can't expect to learn a 12 week module or whatever it is in the space of a week like it's just not going to happen and yeah sorry excuse me yeah you may be able to get by with that exam maybe the exam wasn't that hard or whatever but ultimately the reason they have those modules there is so that you have that knowledge long term so if you've just relied on short-term memory like you stayed up all night the night before and go okay yeah i'm gonna remember all this and it's gone the next 24 hours you're just it didn't go in it's like cool yeah you passed the test but you didn't actually get any of the knowledge that they wanted to test you on you know 
Yep, I absolutely agree. I actually just don't think people struggle as much as they actually think they do. They just struggle for like a week and then get really bad results and say that they struggle when in retrospect they actually didn't do anything all along. So it's like, you know, I think people would actually just do so much better if they just owned up to that fact and recognized that, oh, I am lazy, I'm doing nothing, pretending I should expect the bad yeah. results. Because then you can actually take action on that. Whereas you can't take action on just claiming that every... Yeah, pretending to do work and claim that everything else is the problem. Like, I see this all the time in UL library. Like, you're just sitting in the library and there's people next to you that are literally on Facebook or Paddy Power or even Netflix, literally for like four or five hours straight. And it's like, you literally just came to the library to just read facebook and it's like why would you kid yourself like you're just fooling yourself when you could actually like, just be away enjoying yourself like which would probably yeah like i just don't better, understand that but you know, again the two of us are apparently the minority <laughs> and we're freaks not the everyone else who does the opposite but anyway i, I... <laughs> go on what were you gonna say and we literally well, well i actually am yeah um I was going right, to say so we're at roughly retired. kind of 56 minutes there now. So we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Gary, I'm going to let you wrap it up here because you have a much more soothing voice than I do. Jazz bye. Oh, Jesus. Right. So, <laughs> so we mentioned the triage militia there a few times. So if anyone is interested in kind of getting a little bit of a deeper understanding of anything we spoke of, you can uh, look, probably uh, go to the description of this now, podcast like, on, and like, click yeah. on the link. <laughs> or um, you can just go to... <laughs> or you can go to triagemethod.com. Um, if you just happen to have come across this podcast, we do a lot on other social media. So do check out the Triage Method Facebook page and Instagram. Um, well, yeah, it depends yeah, on when this comes out. It depends on how I get my act together because, look, we just bag on a lot of people who are being lazy and so forth. Like, realistically, I have, a, yeah, I, have a lot, I have a lot of work to do and I'm going to have to figure out how to upload yeah, so this. We have to try and not stuff. be lazy. It enough. could even be two, three weeks because apparently iTunes takes some time to get these uploaded. But we will see. Um, we're going to try to get them done weekly. We're going to be taking questions from the militia. So I'm actually, unless it's a really really good question i personally i don't know about you gary i'm just going to ignore those questions that people ask if it's not in the militia yeah so that's yeah, what dude, my we thoughts gotta on respect our militants that's not you to know? say don't ask a question because you brains. might have one of those really good questions like and the two of us in fairness are pretty active on social media um instagram especially you know so you can always hit us up with a message there um I'll try link our accounts below or in the description or whatever the fuck. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If they're not there, you're going to have to find us. You know, <laughs> it's hide and seek. Um, but yeah, we'll try link them below or whatever, wherever you're clicking. And yeah. that's pretty much it. So I will see you. Well, we'll try to get this done every week. So we'll probably see you next week. We'll try to keep a regular, consistent schedule. I'm a pretty, you know, consistent guy. Gary's a bit all over the place. He frequently goes to places like Thailand and stuff like that. You know, always taking holidays. He's always taking holidays. Yeah, I'm a bit of yeah, a Belarus as well. Like, just, you literally you see there travel to random countries on holidays like Belarus from a holiday for something. Yeah, like, why do you always get pictures with those kids? I don't know. Anyway. Just be with yeah. a lot of random kids. I don't know where, like, you know. Look, look, whatever you're into, you know. 
Um, <laughs> Sherlock, sure, listen. Uh, oh, we should also give, say sure, some crack like for for the British boys, you know. The British boys. <laughs> for the what? The British boys. Um, oh, some crack for our British like. pockets. Come back. Um, but yeah, Got so also Luke we're going to try some maybe mm, potentially get some guests on the podcast. So if there is someone you'd like to see, that is what I'm interested in knowing from you. Not questions, unless they are addressed to me in a letter to my house. I want to see them. And podcast guests, if you have people that you're like, oh, I'd like to get them on, or I'd like to hear you guys. Jocko Willink is top of the list, but he's a little bit of a bitch, so he might bitch out. Um, Jocko Willink. Sleeping. What's the crack with that? He gets up at like half four. What is the story? Yeah, he like that's actually disgusting. Like I'm, I'm nearly up and oh, and he posts it as if it's a good thing. Four thirty-four. If I was oh, that's mid afternoon. Oh, it's disgusting. As if anyway, it's a good anyway, thing. as if he's up that's early. Four thirty-four. God, um, Jesus. If I was in bed, I'd well, I was going to say yeah. So people do have guests that they'd like to get on shoot us a message. We'll try get in contact with them. We'll see what happens, but can't guarantee anything. If you'd like us to roast anyone or <laughs> oh, genuinely. Paddy hates everyone. Oh, no, that's good. Paddy I like discussion. Everyone. I like so there's literally like, no I, point in you even I, requesting I like anyone unless it so, is. Like, if, if if there is people that you're... I can't even think of anyone. No, even if they're complete idiots, like I, yeah, I, know, I think joking. everyone, and Unless I fundamentally believe it, I think everyone is case, entitled no. to their thoughts, and I think everyone is entitled to have a freedom of speech. And that doesn't mean I have to agree with them. It doesn't mean anyone has to agree with them. You are also entitled to think, because it is your civil liberty or whatever you want to call it, it is your liberty to think <laughs> they are actually retarded. Like you, you. What if they just have a solely I a solely monetary opinion, agenda like, and they don't actually have intention you know of adding value? Want, you still then value you have information opinion. about what you do want. So if you think that is repugnant, that is a, an idea, like that is an ideology or whatever that I don't agree with, I still think <laughs> you should give them the time of day, <laughs> listen to their point of view. You can try sway their argument and go, okay, I think this, I think this. But again, that's because you have an agenda. Your agenda might be morally or whatever more correct, but I still think we should give, or everyone should give other people the time of day. Because, and I fundamentally believe this, everyone you meet knows something you don't know. So this person, he, she, whatever, cloud person, I don't know, I'm not going to assume, you know, whatever. If they, if they can, in whatever way, share a nugget of information with you, then that conversation was worthwhile. And again, that can even come in a negative thing. You could have that full conversation and still come away thinking, that person is an idiot. I fully disagree with them. But then all that has shown you is the true path that you should be on. So I agree we should interview whoever You, you, you give up to me every time I talk about this. I always tell you that I read things that challenge my bias, and then you're like, oh, you're so (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
See what happens just so everyone's listening. That is I such a basically tell Gary these terminology, <laughs> these words, and then he looks them up and he's like, Jesus, that Patrick fella knows what's up. It happened like three times, like you didn't even know this literally happened once. You didn't even you didn't even know ever. like fluid mechanics. You didn't even understand. Like everyone remembers. Huh? Oh, oh! I literally understood Tixotropy, but I didn't think how it had applied to training, and that made me think. (laughs) I was like, "This is clever." Like, like, you should be—it's not my fault. Anything you should be understanding in college. Nature, I think, (laughs) must apply more than anyone because I don't understand how you could possibly treat anyone without understanding something as basic as that. But look, we won't get into that. We now. We've talked for like five minutes of absolute shit. I'm not going to cut it out because I believe people should anyway. be able to hear this. So <laughs> Another time. we're going to, yeah, we're going to leave it now. Gary, you stay on the line because I want to chat with you. Uh, let and me hear us talking shit.